again, my gorgeous listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Glow West podcast, where we chat all about sex, sexuality, and the body. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline West, and as always, I'm delighted to be a part of the Tortoise Shack Network, where you can find tons of content on politics, culture, society, and me clogging it up with the filth over the sex podcast. If you like what we do, please do consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack, as it does help to keep the mics on, or please pop over to Apple and rate and review. You can also drop me a DM on Twitter or Instagram at glowwestpodcast. Today, my guest is a woman with an absolutely fabulous history and a fabulous wardrobe, and she's going to chat to us all about the delights of rubber. Miss Kim Rubb describes herself as a professional and lifestyle dominatrix, a mistress, a dom, living and working in her own play space in Shoreditch in London. Prior to becoming a dominatrix, she spent 22 years as a fetish club promoter. During that time, she operated a club every month. She's also been teaching monthly workshops on being a mistress for nine years. And she describes herself as a powerful woman with ageless charm and a creative mind. And you can surrender to her and enjoy the delights of submission or assume the position for something a little bit more impactful. Kim, thank you so much for coming today. How are you? I'm very good. And thank you so much for inviting me. I love your accent. <laughs> thank you. We'll do some audio porn stuff later, leprechaun themed. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fab, you have lived quite the life. You are a long term um, professional adventurer, I guess, in the world of sexuality. I am. And who knew I would end up here and still <laughs> on the fetish scene 34 years later, I had no idea this was going to happen. But I, one thing I do know, I'm not going to stop. I like I'm not style. going anywhere. I'm going to carry on until I drop. Oh, that was poetic. It was. Oh, very good. <laughs> well, you weren't always, I suppose, maybe in that world. You kind of you stumbled upon the BDSM scene, and but then you describe yourself as finding your place in the world. Once you found that, talk to me about what that felt like. Um, it felt like I'd come home. I mean, the very first time I ever set foot in a fetish club, in any of that kind of arena, that environment, I didn't feel like I thought I was going to feel. I thought I was going to feel preyed upon and, I don't know, grabbed at, poured at. And... I, I didn't at all. I just felt really at home and like I'd suddenly found my place in the world and wanted to go again immediately. I've heard that from a lot of people that, you know, the fetish clubs are a place where you're not groped. And even though you're almost expecting it because the sex is kind of in the air a bit more overtly than a regular club. It's funny because everybody thinks that's going to happen, but it's actually quite the opposite. It's the safest place you'll ever be, because if anybody dares touch you without permission, then you can go to the um, host of the party and tell them and they will be told off. And if they cease to um, adhere to the regulations, they'll be asked to leave. So it's the safest place in the world. And in all these years, I can count on one hand the amount of incidents barely one hand although I am a formidable woman and not many people dare come anywhere near me <laughs> <laughs> that is a fair point I have to admit so did you feel more drawn automatically to the role of Dom or because I'm, I'm not I'd be surprised if you weren't you're very naturally a very dominant person I think 
think it's been an evolution. You know, 34 years are an evolution. You know, you don't all of a sudden arrive on the scene and you go, yeah, I'm the boss. Um, I've I've always been quite confident, um, but it's been an evolution. You know, I knew nothing about the fetish scene 34 years ago. Um, There was no internet. Um, It wasn't listed in the Encyclopedia Britannica funnily enough. Um, So I I didn't know where I was going. I'd not heard of it. I hadn't been on the top shelf or the bottom shelf and found a dodgy magazine. I didn't know. So um, my first occasion was a voyage of discovery, a voyage that has taken many, many years. But of course, over the years, you know, when you go out regularly and when you have your own events regularly you pick up lots of things along the way information and scenarios and and stories <laughs> uh, yeah that sounds fascinating because again it's all that life experience that you're bringing into things because sex is such a journey and a process and you know where you are 34 years down the line that's a wealth of experience that you can bring into your sessions and and the clubs and, and things like that and absolutely so, yeah. and I started the mistress workshop before I became a pro dom okay. you see for for um this is the ninth year of the mistress workshop but it's only, I mean, I closed Club Rubdown um, coming up for four years ago. Um, and when I closed it down, I decided I was going to be a pro dom. And it wasn't like, oh, I, I'm going to learn it right now. No, I've been learning for many, many years. So um, lots and lots of mistresses that I know have been a mistress first and then gone, oh, I think I'm going to start a club. Whereas I did it completely the other way around I was a club promoter for 22 years before I even thought about being a mistress I identified as a fetish club promoter and of course during some of that time I was also um, a teacher so I taught women how to take control and step up so go, go let me go back to the fetish club promoting how do you promote a fetish club like sometimes that's kind of an underground kind of thing. Well, um, it's this is my 26th year as a fetish club promoter because I still have a fetish club called Rubber Cult, which is a rubber only event, which is twice a year. No, there won't be one in February, but I'm fingers crossed oh, yeah. for October. Yeah, hopefully. Um, back 26 years ago, um, there when there was no internet strange but true um so uh, whenever I went clubbing I would take a pen and paper out with me strange I know can you just imagine that (laughs) archaic way of gathering information with a pen and paper um and I would gather people's um telephone numbers and you know names and and then uh, you would call their landline you know does people know what a landline is nowadays yeah, I've not had a landline for a it good is, while <laughs> it is strange isn't it but you, you gathered oh you know you gathered people's names and addresses as well you know, and it wasn't just their telephone number the landline number you would get their full name and address and when I had um the opportunity to start my own fetish club you know it was definitely gathering home addresses and it was a postal system and when it was at its as at its height i was mailing to uh 1200 home addresses um the flyer and the newsletter 
newsletter, a, a monthly newsletter that I used to write. So, you know, uh, that's how it started then. Of course, now uh, it's, it's the internet. Everything's internet based. Although I do believe right at this moment, we are experiencing a zeitgeist and things are changing you know and I do know lots and lots of my fellow mistresses are becoming very scared of the fact that they might lose their Twitter they might lose their Instagram but you know I have to say to them that when I joined the scene 34 years ago mistresses um, were in telephone boxes in a card that they'd had printed up uh, or they were in the back of Exchange and Mart, which was a strange little um, magazine. Or, you know, there was lots of different ways of finding mistress, but, you know, it really was quite hard work and you kind of had to know. You couldn't stumble across, what are these on the internet? Mistresses? How? Oh, I never heard of them before. I mean, you know, you really kind of had to... I don't know. Put the work in to get it. Be a little pervert and want to find out a lot more. (laughs) But yeah. So it it started, you know, as you might imagine, with a pigeon. No, 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 not with a pigeon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's London. A tablet of stone and a... a, No, it was very much when I started, it was very much gathering people's names and addresses and then putting something in the post to them. And then when you had the club then itself, you know, like the rubber fetish is it's quite extensive, like the fashion sometimes in some of the rubber outfits that people have is extraordinary. So it is. Talk me through the visuals of the club. What did it look like? Well, if you think about Rubber Cult, which is my rubber only event, which is still the one that's happening, um, every single person has to wear rubber everybody so the visual is absolutely stunning if you're thinking about a couple of hundred people all dressed in rubber when it was a couple of years ago when it was a little bit bigger through for various different reasons there was 400 people um twice the amount of people we have a venue problem in london um they're all being um turned into blocks of flats that sort of venue problem um so you know just necessity has meant that I'm now partnered with a friend of mine who has his own venue so we um it's it's half the size so it has to be but it but it's but it's it's an amazing venue it's Simon Drake's House of Magic which is like a custom built his own place magic house with like paintings that move and a cabaret stage and it's it's just quite a simply extraordinary place but then when you put rubber people in there um it just comes to life and you can think of rubber in every single color that you can imagine okay it's not like the cars you can have any car that you like so long as it's black you remember that famous saying henry ford's yes that's right um rubber is is in every single color and i I think maybe back at my journey of discovery into the fetish scene there was lots and lots and lots of black Um, but now it's very much a colorful arena and people will be in every single color and will be in every Every single type of animal, um, fancy dress, kind of guys, nurse, military, schoolgirl. So, um, you know, it can be your simple black rubber cat suit and a black rubber hood and some high heels. Or it can be a skimpy little pink 
schoolgirl outfit. So it's just very, very creative environment where people can express themselves and be in an environment where, hey, you're like me. And um, you can talk to like-minded people and enjoy each other's company whilst getting out of the lounge in front of the television and the fire and actually being a real person. <laughs> I imagine, yeah, that's quite lib- liberatory. Lib- oh, my brain's not working. Liberating. Yeah, there we go. Um, Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, for feeling, I suppose, you know, if you do have a fetish for a lot of people, it's an, it, it has to be something that's secret. Maybe the clothes are hidden. It's not something you can wear down to Tesco, although maybe, maybe some people do that. So I can imagine that coming together and having your own special night with no one going, Oh, who's the weirdo in the corner? Like you're all the weirdos in the corner all together and and weirdo in a very positive sense of the word there. A celebration, Mm. a celebration of rubber cult or something very, very special that we all believe in, like a cult. (laughs) But maybe, yeah, you don't have to give as much sacrifices. Oh, does that make me the cult leader? Oh, there you go. Oh, we look into that. (laughs) (laughs) So like the style is fascinating. Like you were saying there, there's lots of different types and, um, you know, and and the colors and stuff. And um, it seems to be quite, is it expensive? You know, we spoke to Fionn Scott before in the podcast and he he was all about leather and he was like, don't ask me how much my wardrobe costs because it's insane. It, it, It is expensive, but it doesn't have to be. Um, obviously not at the moment, but there's a company called libidex.com or .co.uk that has a, a Valentine's sale and a Halloween sale. So if you're in London or you think it's worth the trip to come to London, i.e. if you want to buy £100 worth of, bit, worth of rubber, it's less than half price. So, you know, a, like a rubber hood that you might pay £100 for are 30 um, A cat suit that you might pay £250 for is £100. Um, you know, a nice, smart, you know, tuxedo jacket is also 100 which would be upwards of 300 So um, you can um, wait for that and make it a little special trip to London. All you have to do is go onto their website and subscribe. Um, and then uh, there's lots of companies that have sales. So, um, and there's companies that are a little bit cheaper than others. So it doesn't have to be expensive. However, you know, if you have got a bit of cash to spend, a company like Westwood, uh, sorry, a company like, take that bit out, a company like um, Breathless are made to measure. You go into the shop, which there's very few shops in London anymore. You go into the shop and she will measure you and she will make you an item specifically for you. Specifically for your waist size, your bust size, your bum size. Okay, if you're a stock size 10, what's the point of that? However, some of us have got a little bit more up the top than we have down the bottom and or vice versa. You know, and somebody that makes made to measure to your size to your leg thickness, to your calf thickness, etc., etc., is just the most wonderful thing to have. Something that fits you and doesn't feel like it's strangling you in a certain place or riding up just at the wrong point. It's just very, very nice. So that will cost you money. So sometimes it costs you money and it doesn't. For us ladies that are a little bit of a different shape, it's going to cost us. 
Always the way, unfortunately. Yeah, always the way, always <laughs> yeah. the way. But, and there's something special as well about having something made to measure for your own body. Like it's a treat, you know, that's something really Absolutely. special when it comes yeah. to that. So. And I always think that if you're going to be spending such a lot of money like that, then go into the shop. It's like, you know, if you were going to get a bride's dress or you were going to get something made to measure, you'd go in and you'd get excited. And and Delenta, who owns Breathless, she gives you a glass of uh, bubbly and you she measures you and chats to you. And it's like you're spending hundreds of pounds. You know why people spend hundreds of pounds and they click on a button on the Internet? I suppose if you're not in London, it's very, very difficult. But if you're going to be spending lots and lots of money, I think you should have the experience yeah that's a glamorous experience experience. it is and could you do you have any standout outfits from over the years of something you've seen a rubber outfit and just gone oh my gosh that is incredible oh all the time at rubber cult every single rubber cult um, the inflatable people are generally the people that stick out in my mind. So they'll have a suit made, but you can pump it up. So um, we've had an orca whale, <laughs> um, rabbits, um, dogs, you know, <laughs> inflatable parts. I've worn inflatable horns, just two horns. Um uh, lots of inflatable boobs, obviously. Um, so the inflatables are very, very popular. Um, but the animals as well, they're also quite, uh, I mean, I, I love a cute outfit. I'm sorry. Even at my age, I love a cute, <laughs> cute, cute, cute. Yeah. And yeah. I definitely wasn't expecting you to say orca whale there. <laughs> Out of all the yes. things I thought you might have named, orca well, I think whale. That, I think there that? might still be a picture of the orca whale on rubber-cult.com, rubber-cult.com. Okay, I'm going to go check so, that out there. Yeah, go and have a look. <laughs> <laughs> and so what goes on then at a rubber club? Like, are is it the same as a quote regular fetish club where there's you know a crosses and there's kind of somewhat kind of form of bdsm play or is it more of a fashion you're going there to be seen and not necessarily be active it's a little bit more the latter you're there to be seen and not active it's, it's difficult to get your bum out when you've blown yourself up as an orca whale um uh, you know lots of people that come to rub a club like Rubber Cult like the whole experience of being totally encapsulated. So it, it tends not to be your rubber clubber, as I like to call them, i.e. you've gone to a fetish club and you've bought a little rubber skirt and a tiny rubber t-shirt. You know, that's a rubber clubber. These are your rubber aficionados, your rubber cultists, if you like. They're people who are really, really into the whole nine yards, the whole look. Um, so, but, but you know, um, we try our best to bring different elements. And obviously, when it was bigger, we could do that a lot easier. However, I mean, I remember the last few large scale rubber cults, the venue had decided that in terms of health and safety, we were no longer allowed to bring our vac bed and our inflatable body bag and our straight jackets because should a fire happen, um, and in 23 years of my fetish club promoting history, 
something like that had ever happened. But yeah, if a fire would happen, yeah, if somebody's yeah. in a vac bed or in an inflatable body bag, then there's a problem for them yeah, and yeah. and us. So um, we, we just try our best now to introduce some different elements. So one of the last rubber cults, I had a guy with a violet wand. Do you know what a violet wand is? Yeah, it's a little electro kind of... It's, a le- it's an electric... Thing. Um, they're usually quite vintage inspired and it's a tiny little emits tiny little electric shocks well you can choose where you have that or if you can unzip anywhere to expose a little bit of flesh (laughs) then you can have that bit zapped he doesn't mind where you want zapping (laughs) just so so, you know it's difficult sometimes uh, but I try to be creative and over the years I've been immensely creative and if you go on to misskimrub.com and type into the blogs search rubber cult um i've written a blog about rubber cult and the things that we've done over the years you know different i call them sideshows little elements that add a, bit, a little bit of interest to a night out um but yeah it's difficult when it's a much smaller venue and yeah yeah you're a bit more restricted yeah. yeah well speaking of restriction is that one of the things of why people like rubber like you said the whole you're all encapsulated you're wrapped up I mean your skin is your largest organ so I'm sure that like yes. something stimulating your whole body which is, is where skin two if you've heard of skin two got their idea for the name it's skin two it <laughs> makes sense yeah it makes sense doesn't it so it is the largest organ. Um, it, do you know what? I think for rubberists, it's lots and lots of things. It's not just the sight. It's not just the sound, because that's underestimated, the sound. Um, but it's the smell and the touch. It's it's all of the elements. It arouses all of the elements. And we all think it's a modern day thing, but I've got a collection of antique rubber hoods that are all over 50 years old and they were all made out of car tire inner tubes. You know, the inner tube that goes inside a car tire, they were all made out of that portion. So they're like, they're, they're, they're on the wall. There's eight of them and I don't use them. They're uh, antiques. Yeah, yeah. But it was a time before you could buy rubber like we buy it now. I mean, it wasn't available in a cute little outfit <laughs> 50 <laughs> years ago. But people cars, were yeah. already starting to kind of like get a bit of a, ooh, this is nice. I like this gas mask, which was made in rubber. Or this ma- rubberized Macintosh. Ooh, Macintosh. There's a, there's a society still um, operational in England called the Macintosh Society, uh, currently known as Mac 2. They wanted to make it sound modern, but I prefer the Macintosh Society. Um, And they still operate and they're a community-based gathering of people. Um, And they're fabulous, really. But it all started for them in a time when one of the only rubber rubber items you could buy was a rubberized Macintosh or a gas mask yeah well yeah Yeah. you're going back in time there so yeah yeah. and i i see what you mean about the the shut the the sight aspect like it seems yeah it's shiny and humans we're like little magpies sometimes yeah we like that shiny aspect and making dull skin look shiny is is kind of yes for me 
for me, it's the shiny. I'm such a magpie, but I do know lots and lots of people that don't shine themselves up. <gasps> How could they? Yeah, and there's lots and lots of people who chlorinate their rubber. So when you chlorinate it, it slides onto your skin a bit like fabric. It kind of takes an edge away from it. I don't know what else to call it. I mean, if you're interested in finding out more about it, Google it. Um, but yeah, there, so there, there are people out there that, that kind of like it for lots of other reasons and want it to slip on more easily. So which is why they have it chlorinated, which is a, um, a chlorine based chemical procedure. OK, yeah. um, Google it if you want to know a bit I'm, more about it. I'm imagining the whole encapsulation thing kind of feels a bit like the sensation of like an all encompassing hug. Like it's it's mm -hmm. a hug for your entire body all at once, it seems. Sensory deprivation, isn't it? It's that um, womb like feeling that I'm not much of a hugger myself. However, I kind of, you know, do understand the scenario of wanting to be tightly restricted whilst I'd hate it um I do understand it and uh you know rubber does do that for you um and and you know if you have something made to measure that's a, an experience that's so much better than buying some something off the peg and it's restricting you in the wrong place and it's not pleasant you know, if everything's made for your size, then it's it's just a wonderful big hug. Yeah. And if somebody's doing something special to you at the same time, even it's better. even better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of doing something special, you are also working as a dominatrix. So talk to us about that. I imagine it's very sensationalized in the media and stuff sometimes. And, you know, you've got a, a fair share of... Um, Daily Mail st style headlines about about people, but I'm sure the reality might be a little bit different. Yeah, I think it was, you know, 25, 30 years ago, it was much more sensationalized. And, you know, you could sell more copies of the newspaper if you had something like that in it. Any more people in the in England, the UK don't seem to be that bothered anymore. Um, it's very interesting at the moment on social media, how the likes of Twitter and Instagram are clamping down. I mean, Facebook's always been like that, but who ever thought that Twitter would go the way of um, um, public opinion to, to stop the use of, um, lots of the ladies like to call themselves sex workers. I call myself a dominatrix. Um, being clamped down on and potentially are going to be removed from Twitter. Um, however, this morning I went on to Netflix and there's a drama called Bonded, which is about a dominatrix. Um, and I just thought how ironic that this is um, viewing for people to watch a dominatrix who's clearly getting paid and it's glamorizing it or maybe poking fun who knows i haven't watched it um yet twitter are about to start and clamp down and take ladies off a platform so it's like what's right then that you make a capitalist you know viewing drama for the edification of anybody that wants to watch it and that's not bad yet the people who want to earn a decent 
living out of it, well, that's bad. So we need to stop those. I don't know. It, it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, how the, the profits are okay when it's not yes. shared by a single sex worker, but it's okay when it's shared by a production company. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's definitely there. So what kind of clients do you see then if you're working as a dominatrix? I tend to see everybody. Um, I like to think that I cover most things. Um, I probably see more people that want a service top. So um, I consider myself a service top as opposed to an alpha female, although I do have alpha tendencies, of course. <laughs> but I'm very much, I like a happy customer. I like a job well done. I like job satisfaction. I like feeling I've tapped into somebody's psyche and delivered what they were dreaming of. That to me is everything. I love that. And even with the barest information, the littlest information, I still like to think, oh, I got it right. You know, that that for me, job satisfaction is everything. But, you know, then there's the other side of the coin. Um, you've got your alpha female who will know it's like this. You'll do this. No, I'm not interested in what you want. Sit down, shut up until I speak to you. Um, I can turn that on, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> However, that's not my MO. You have to ask me for that. Otherwise, you're going to get, uh, ooh, I'm excited. Let's do this. Uh, uh, what, do, what sort of things do you like? Ooh, I could do, right, leave it with me. I'm going to do this. I'm much more like that, you know, and I work things out. I look at body language. I look at the face. I look at minute movements and work out whether I'm getting there or not. Sometimes boys don't want to tell you what they want, which is slightly annoying for the more inexperienced girls. But um, I like to think that somehow I work it out. And, um, there's nothing wrong with an alpha female. They have their absolute place in the world. And if you're looking for a mistress, you go to her website, you read her about me and Alphas will write exactly who they are and you will know what you're getting. Do you understand? Whereas I'm much more friendly, yeah, upbeat, fun. <laughs> well, that's, that's but nice. listen, yeah. don't take my kindness for weakness. Oh, <laughs> I can be a cruel heart. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm absolutely sure. <laughs> but, so how do you deal then with people who want to come see you, but they're so shy and they don't want to say, hey, I really want to do this? Like, I'm sure it's scary for a lot of clients to come to you and go. I am I the most as you can probably hear, I am the most approachable person to talk to on the phone. The, one of the things I absolutely insist on is that we talk. I don't do emails. I don't do texts. I am not 16. I don't do texts. I like to talk to people. I think once you start talking to somebody and you can empathize and you can discuss minutiae and you can think about the bigger picture and actually allay someone's fears and someone's reticence, then you can just help somebody come to terms with some of the things that they thought were wrong. Listen, you're talking to me and nothing's wrong. <laughs> so I think you've just got to talk to somebody. 
And I know it's not the thing now. It's not the thing. Nobody wants to talk to anybody. I get people saying, can I call you? And I just think, it's a phone. <laughs> I know. It's a weird thing now to call. It's so yeah, weird. It's, it's text. Phone, but do you know what thing. I love the most is when you go to Ireland, everybody goes, hi, how are you? <laughs> Do you know what? Boys here just don't seem to know how to do a greeting. I don't know why. All right. All right. Hi. And I go, yeah. Did you want to ask me anything? It's just, I love the Irish way of doing things. <laughs> yeah. Hi, how are you? Like I'm good. Friendly. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, especially with a few drinks as well. So yeah, we get very friendly. <laughs> but, and so for people like that who are like very, you know, the shy kind, are they the minority or do you get people going, look, this is what I want to do. And they already have that clear idea in their head of why they're contacting you as the person who's going to make this happen for them. I think there's all of the above. And I think that the guys who are happy to just call you very, very easily are the ones who perhaps been to see a couple of doms before. Um, then there's the personality types that are never going to be happy because <laughs> they're always going to be shy and submissive. I mean, it's just there's every type of personality that you can possibly think of. Um, I think, you know, if you pluck up the courage to call a mistress and it was a great experience, that's the one for you. If you pluck up the courage to talk to a mistress and she's a bitch to you and you don't like it, then she's not the one for you. Yeah, it's a really good litmus test. It's a really good way of finding out if you're if you've picked the right one. Talk to them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's right before <laughs> you're in the same room as them. Yeah. Whereas you know, if you're on, if you're just texting each other and emailing each other, you've got no clue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even tone you've of voice, got no clue. Like you that. can hear so much about somebody in somebody's voice. Can you not? Yeah. Can you not? <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely do you think then it like there's a the i suppose the social gender roles aspect of things if you're seeing men who want to be submissive and then that's not generally what society expects of men men are meant to be alphas and if you're submissive you're weak and, and those ridiculous stereotypes and that can be very toxic masculinity kind of thing do you think that yeah. that you'd have more clients or less clients if we let go of that and embraced a more healthier form of masculinity? I don't know, but I, I, you know, I think it takes a certain amount of strength to see that in yourself and to do something about it. You know, um, it's not a weakness, it's a strength in my opinion. And um, I think we should not be worried about what other people think of us. What other people think of me is none of my business. I answer to me and only me. I can look myself in the mirror and say, you're a good person. You're not hurting anybody. You're helping people. You're kind. You can be a bitch if somebody pays you well. <laughs> I love that. That is brilliant. We should all be like that. God, I wish we could all get paid for being a bit of a bitch. That'd be great. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, do you find that you have the same kind of clients that last a long time or are they more like, OK, I've I've like satisfied this one particular fetish that I had or do they kind of come back with different ideas and, and be a bit more long term? 
Um, everything. So I've had, um, I've got clients that uh, started off with, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that now. I just do such horrific things to what I'm partic- thinking of in particular um, uh, that you would have never dreamed he'd have come on this journey. Then you get guys that you think, oh, I'm sure this guy will be back again. And you never see them again. You know, some guys are bedpost m- merchants, you know, notching up another one on the bedpost. And some l- see the benefit of building a relationship because your first session is a voyage of discovery for both of you you know and it's never well sometimes it's amazing but sometimes it's just an adjustment that you need to make in the next session and unless you have a next session then you can't make those adjustments but of course then if you're dealing with an alpha female she ain't gonna adjust anything in the next session let me tell you now (laughs) but I like to think that the first session sometimes if it's not a you know a 10 might be an eight but we're going to get to a 10 that sort of thing because as far as I'm concerned job satisfaction is everything and doing a good job is what it's all about so uh, yeah absolutely and would you also you offer such a wide range of things between your workshops and and the clubs and stuff but you also offer tea parties see on your website yeah that's for the ladies though Ah, you know I'm very much a sisterhood kind of gal um I realize that uh, ladies work in isolation we don't have um establishments where lots of ladies can all work together because that's called a brothel (laughs) we're not allowed brothels in England um uh, or aka a disorderly house old-fashioned term which I like I prefer to brothel a disorderly house um so ladies work on their own so unless they go to clubs which very few do then they never meet each other so um I have two events that really bring ladies together so my tea parties are basically for the mistress workshop ladies they're the ones I invite to come along to the tea parties because when they're in a workshop I don't want them to talk to each other listen to me but I know they all want to talk to each other I know they do they can't wait to all ask each other different things so that's why I have the tea parties for them and obviously there's a small element of those ladies that then go on to become pro doms but a very small very small everybody thinks it's a much larger amount but it's only 10 5 to 10 percent ever go on to become anything professional It's mainly home users that I teach. Um, And then the Queen Bee Society is my event uh, that I find a nice swanky bar in town. And I invite all of the pro-doms or or any lady that considers herself a strong, powerful woman to enjoy each other's uh, company over a uh, cocktail, interesting conversation, outfit. Did I tell you I love outfits? And so it's just a great opportunity to bring women together. I'm very much. And it's, you know, it's something that's easy for me. Find a venue, sell it, uh, host the evening. That's what I've done for a very long time. So um, this one's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's free. I don't charge. It's just for the love of um, yeah, building a community. Up. And, and but, but yeah, yes, kinship, I, especially well, when you work on your own. After a while, you get a little bit older and you realize that not everything in life is about money, it's about pleasure and enjoyment and 
sisterhood and yeah so absolutely i'm on that bit of life that sounds good to me relaxed bit of life (laughs) well speaking of relaxing as well we were talking just before we came on about the explosion no pun intended in things such as asmr porn which is the oral erotica and whispering and different sounds you can make and this is something that you're interested in sensory meridian response and it's about when you whisper And if it does make them tingle, (laughs) then you can add other elements. So I had a client that I realized that this was happening to him. He didn't want anything um, harsh. I can remember flicking his cock with a, I'm allowed to say cock. You are. Cock, 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 cock. (laughs) Say it all you want. (laughs) (laughs) Flicking his cock with a leather glove and he didn't like that at all. I said, okay, right, I gotcha. I understand where you're coming from. So in the second one, I just thought I'm going to up the ante. So I put some headphones on him. I got some play, I put some playlists on my Spotify uh, heartbeat babbling brook wind in the trees those sorts of sounds and that was his soundscape apart from when I lifted the uh, off his ear and whispered in his ear dirty perversions um and added smell to it as well um and added every single kind of sensation all over the body fur satin rubber um, wet and sticky, um, dry and talky, those sorts of things. So um, on on all parts of the body, to be quite honest with you, if somebody's rubbing something nice and furry on the bottom of your feet, you're not going to go, oh, don't do that. I don't like it. You're probably going to go, ooh, never had that done before. So it's, it was just about bringing everything together. And as I did more research on it, I realized that the sensation play I'd started doing with him and whispering is in his ear had become a whole big thing that I'd just discovered. Like, wow, look at this. So kind of what I do is that's a part of it, but that's not the entirety of it. I've added all of the other um, sensations, auditory, um, everything that you can think of to it, you know, smell, you know, cologne, man's cologne, or I get a lemon and I zest it in front of his nose. Very often with 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 um blindfold on, or I I spritz onto a silk scarf and waft it across his face. So it sounds yeah. a lovely, all immersive experience because I think some people think of sex it's just gentles, and there's so much more to it than that. And, and lots of doms think it's only pain. So yeah. Yeah. to combine all of the different elements um, is truly, and he he would um, at certain points look almost look like he was going to burst into tears. It was almost like the bombardment of his senses was just all <laughs> too much. Yeah, he did look like he was, and 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 used to tell me, oh, "I love you, mistress." So I did touch a little part of his soul with the you know all-encompassing sensation play there's something in that of of the softness as well like the 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 hard kind of rough impactful play is one thing but to be wrapped up in a world of softness is nice because it's a reprieve from the world in general which is usually nobody ever does it to you yeah nobody ever does it to you 
Can you? Uh, yeah. So um, there's. I've also written another blog on that sensation play on my website. So if you want to read a little bit more, I, I'm a prolific blog writer. So I every year I write at least a blog a week. So um, whilst a lot of mistresses you barely get a couple a year, I'm I'm You're straight 50, in there. Fifty six, fifty sixty a year always. Okay. <laughs> That's fab. Um, would you have any advice then for for newbie doms getting in to the area and, and how they can, I suppose, because like you said, it, it's it can be a lonely job if you're working on your own sometimes. And it's the same, especially over in Ireland. We can't have two sex workers working together for safety because then they can yes. get charged with brothel keeping, such as our law at the moment. Um, and I'm yeah. sure that's the case in many places around the world where this podcast is listened to as well. So do you have any advice for people who are, are starting out, but they're not 100 yeah. percent sure where they're going? Well, funnily enough, about uh, I want to say four, maybe six months ago, I did a mistress workshop with a lady in Dublin. So um, I would say take a take a mistress workshop with me. And, and you'll learn everything. And not only that, but I'm happy to put ladies in touch with each other, you know, whilst they won't be working together. It's good to have that community, you know, maybe who knows in the future, there'll be a Queen Bee Society drinks, uh, uh, meetings arranged by your good self. You'd be very welcome. I'm very happy for anybody in the world to take this Queen Bee Society drinks and uh, take it forward. So, you know, I would say learn, learn. Um, don't think that Twitter is the place to learn your skills. You know, I often look at girls doing things wrong on Twitter and just think, because oh, it's monkey see, monkey do. And of course, if that's the only place that you, because mistresses, mistresses don't usually share skills. I come from a background of being a club promoter and then I became an educator and then I became a mistress. Had I done it the other way around, maybe I wouldn't have become an educator because maybe I'd wanted to keep it close and keep all my information to myself, whereas it didn't really happen like that. So I'm happy to teach. And plus the fact I'm the other end of the spectrum, the age spectrum. So I'm more than happy to teach. Um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really lovely thing to do. And if I could do only one thing, that would be what I would do. I would teach. I would give up the club promoting. I'd give up the pro dom. If I could only do one thing, I'd teach. So ladies learn. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned age there. Do you think, is there a disparity amongst people of, you know, the age gap? I know there's... Yeah, but you don't know how old I am. This is the good thing. Ah, okay. I do know there's not many ladies close to my age, which makes me unique. Another unique aspect about myself. (laughs) I don't know. some, Some guys like the fact that I have this immense history and knowledge etc and some just want a pretty size 10 with big tits and and, and that's fine that's absolutely fine literally different strokes for different folks <laughs> absolutely there's a place in this world for all of us 
and you know you've only got to go onto one of the I call them compilation mistress websites there's lots and lots of websites that list all of the different mistresses and if you go on there you will see that that one's different to that one that's a different color that's a different nationality that's a different size that's a different shape that's different hair you know we're all different thank god <laughs> absolutely and this is why we have people like you in the world you know and being your true self and enjoying what you're doing so that's a fabulous thing um this has been a fabulous talk thank you so much and i really want to go to a rubber ball just even like to see the fashion aspect of it is just the fast i can tell part. you do you were yeah. asking rather a lot of questions <laughs> about the fashions just, well listen let's do this again yeah. i've got lots more to tell you oh fab well look sure hopefully at one point um when covid is all under control i can pop over and we could do a live podcast and, <gasps> at one of the events loads of squeaky rubber sounds in the background <laughs> We can yes. manage that, so that would be fab. Um, can or we, we could just do a yeah. session from my dungeon. Oh, well, there you go. There that you would go. be amazing. Yes. Or, okay. or both. We will get this in the calendar <laughs> and we will, you, we'll We'll have a very special episode <laughs> on the way. And I'll um, probably see you in Dublin. Mm, oh, fab. Yeah. Drop me yes. a line. I'll, we'll happily yes. show you around. Um, this has been fab. Where can people find you if they want to get in contact, if they want to come along to an event when we're allowed? So really, there's a one stop place to find every single social media and website that I've got. And it's called Linktree forward slash Miss Kim Rub. If you don't it's a very special spelling for Linktree, but just type in Linktree and then the forward slash Miss Kim Rob. And then you've got every single, all of my websites, all of my social media, every which way to find me. Always. Perfect. Yeah. And and you've got some very interesting content, I know, especially on your Twitter, which is, you know, full of facts and and stuff as well so yeah brilliant i hope people reach out so kim thank you so much and we'll be back in touch for those special dates coming up so that that's going to be fab thank you thank and you darling bye-bye thank you and thanks Mil, to all my listeners as well um again remember that there's sales on and rubber so if you want to get involved um that's your opportunity to snap yourself up a, bar- a bargain if you have any questions about the podcast drop me a dm it's on instagram and um twitter as glow west podcast if you feel like supporting the podcast it's patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack um or you can just come and say hello over on instagram where we have all our goodies and giveaways so thanks very much and And we will see you next week.